0: Welcome to another episode of Mike's Money Picks. Today on the podcast, we're going to be previewing Live Golf London 2023. That's right, the Live Series is returning to the place where it all began around this time of year ago at the Centurion Club in London. And we're going to break it down for you. We're going to talk about some golfers that we like to win this tournament outright and that we want to have in our DFS lineups if you are playing any on DraftKings this week for Live London. Now, the leaderboard this year at Live London is going to look a lot different than it did last year. I didn't realize until I went back and looked at the leaderboard just how different live golf looks a year later this year as opposed to it does when it started um, at its inception last year so it's going to be interesting to kind of break that down uh, and talk about the different guys that are playing here this week and who we want to have in our lineups now if you are watching on youtube please 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 Hit that like button, and please hit the subscribe button as well. It shows me a lot of support. It helps the videos get noticed, and it really just helps me out more than you could ever know. I really didn't know until I started making YouTube videos and creating content on just how much the subscriptions and the likes matter, so please help me out. Hit that like button. Hit that subscribe button if you like what you're hearing here on Mike's Money Picks, and you'll be notified when new episodes drop, like when we drop our fantasy football team previews later this week, and when we will be back next week, we're going to be talking to Janice, the Scottish show. Open, as well as the alternate event, I believe next week is the Barbasol. It's either the Barbasol or the Barracuda, but we are going to preview both events. We're going to talk about the Scottish Open and the alternate event on the PGA Tour next week. So if you are subscribed, you'll be notified when both of those episodes drop. And then we're going to have a lot of content coming your way for Open Championship Week as well, as well as continuing to cover fantasy football as well. Um, So we've got a lot of content here on Mike's Money Picks. If you hit that subscribe button, you'll be notified when all new episodes drop. Now, Before we get started talking about this tournament, I do got to say, I think live missed a big opportunity this past weekend with their TV coverage of Live Valderrama. Actually, I think they ended up calling it Live Andalusia, but, but either way, the, the Live tournament last weekend, they missed a big opportunity with the TV coverage because with how the Rocket Mortgage Classic ended, with it being, you know, not on television on Sunday morning, I think Live had a great opportunity that if they were broadcasting live from Spain, then they would have gotten a big audience because there were a lot of big names at the top of that leaderboard and it was an opportunity to watch live golf, but instead... You know, they did the same thing that the PGA Tour ended up having, which was they had the tournament for the final round on tape delay on its normal channel later that afternoon, which was kind of a big disappointment. And I think Liv continues to miss opportunities with this TV deal with the CW. I think that the CW needs to push whatever reruns of Charmed that they have airing on Sunday mornings to make sure that these tournaments are broadcasted live so that way they can take advantage of people who want to watch live golf. Now, I can not tell you, I did end up watching the highlights of, the extended highlights, I should say, of Liv Golf and DeLucia. And so I do know how that tournament went down. It was a thrilling finish with Taylor Gooch winning over Bryson DeChambeau on the tournament's final hole. Um, and so we're going to talk about both those guys here in our pre- review of Live London, but I just want to talk about, I think that Live... As it's currently constructed right now, they continue to miss opportunities with this TV deal that they have with the CW. And and I don't know what Live Golf is gonna look like after this merger of the PGA Tour and the PIF, but I would like to see some live golf out out of Live as opposed to um, wherever they are in the world, having it just be on tape delay on Saturday and Sunday afternoons. I think they can definitely do better than that. But um, either way, um, Live London is gonna be taking place this Saturday and we are going to break it down for you. So let's go ahead and get started here with the preview. But first, let's get a quick word from our friends at Spotify. All right, so Live Golf London is going to be played at the Centurion Club, which is in the, um, I guess, whatever they call it in London. It's in the district of Hertfordshire. I'm sure I mispronounced that, but either way, um, it is going to be played at the Centurion Club. And unlike a lot of events that happen across the pond um, on the PGA Tour and on the DP World Tour, this is not really a link setup. Um, if you look at what Centurion Club has to offer, um, it's not a super narrow, not a super difficult test of golf. Um, but it is going to be tree lined. It is going to be, a, you know, a fairly straightforward parkland design. Uh, it is not going to be like golf like you would see at St. Andrews or like you're going to see in two weeks at Royal Liverpool, Um, but it is in England, and so I do think you could give a little bit of a home field advantage to the English guys or the guys who have played on the DP World Tour and have played at courses like this. Ironically, the course that the dp world tour played at last week at the belfry uh, i think is actually pretty similar to this one in terms of being a park one design that is not a lynx design um you can see it by the flyover that is you're going on in the youtube video right now the fairways are not necessarily tight um if you miss a lot of these fairways there are trees lining most of the holes but there are some where it's just fescue grass so you can be a little bit wild off the tee and get away with it here um The course normally plays as a par 72, but it's going to be playing a little bit differently here for the live golf event. Live is kind of trying to up the difficulty a little bit this week and so what they did was they took the normal par 72 that is centurion club and they backed it down to a par 70 they turned some of the par fives for members into par fours and so what ended up happening is you end up with a lot of long par fours here at the course this week so what's going to end up being like necessary to succeed here at centurion club is to be good with your long irons and to be able to you know give yourself a good drive with an opportunity to hit the green and, and obviously once you hit that green can you knock down your birdie putt uh, unlike the event on the pga tour this week i do not expect this to be a birdie fest i do not expect the winning score to be very low and so for a little bit of information for that we actually have a little bit of history here with this event this is the first time we've seen this for live golf really you know last year they did play at centurion club for live london uh, and the winning score was minus seven it was it was charles Schwartzel that won it um and Schwartzel was at minus seven there were a total of 8 players under par um so it did end up playing fairly difficult but the bottom line is you can kind of look at this leaderboard and once you get outside of the, like the top 10 it just really goes down in quality like there's a lot of names like here near the middle to the bottom that you see you're kind of been some of the mainstays on the live tour but there are some guys in here that are not on the live tour anymore maybe they are playing over in Europe maybe they are playing Um, somewhere else. There's not a lot of PGA Tour guys in this field. Um, It's just not a very strong field for the first week of live. Um, So last year, Charles Schwartzel did win it at minus 7. Runner up was Henny Duplessis at minus 6. Brandon Grace, Peter Uline at minus 5. Sam Horsfield at minus 3. Oliver Becker And Adrian Otegi at minus two. Here you get some big names. Dustin Johnson in eighth place at minus one. Taylor Gooch in ninth place at even par. And then Louis Ustazen and Justin Harding, along with Graham McDowell, tied for 10th place. So basically, can we glean any kind of information for that? Well, so Charles Schwartzel was the winner, right? So what we know about Charles Schwartzel is he is a guy who um, tends to not be a good putter of the golf ball if I'm putting it nicely. And so he's a guy that can be elite at ball striking and is a not great putter. So, you know, does this course kind of cater to ball strikers? Maybe. I think there's a little bit with Charles Schwartz there. Now, Henny Duplessis is the, the runner-up of this event. He has not played on live this season. Um, so I've got his golfer profile here on rickrungood.com. Um, he did actually play last week at the British Masters and played – decent, he was T49. But if you look at his profile, Henry Duplessis is like one of the worst putters on the DP World Tour. He routinely loses a lot of strokes putting. Um, However, he is an elite ball striker. He normally gains five or more strokes in the ball striking categories. And so I guess what you can kind of glean from this is knowing that Charles Schwartzel played well here, knowing that Henry Duplessis played well here, this course kind of caters to ball strikers and guys who are going to be good off the tee and good on approach and then you know maybe can they just be good enough with the putter to knock down a few putts and win the tournament, right? So in terms of comp courses, just kind of looking at what this course has to offer, um, there's not a whole lot of data in terms of strokes gained for the live guys right now. They do not break them down by categories for live events. So what I do have to go by in terms of trying to build a lineup this week, um, as opposed to just looking at recent finishes on live, I can look at some comp courses and how they played well there so the three that i've picked the best comp course i believe is the renaissance club which is the current site of the genesis scottish open um it's where the pga tour is going to be headed next week it is another course kind of like this one that is in the british isles and it is not a link setup and so it's going to feature some of the same grass types and agronomy that you would see at some of the open championship type courses but it is not Links golf. It's not going to be played along the ground. It's not going to be with the pot bunkers. It's going to be very much like a Parkland American Country Club type setup. And so the best live golfers at the Renaissance Club in their careers, you got Cameron Tringale, Dean Burmeister, Cameron Smith, Joaquin Neiman, and Brandon Grace as your top five. Another course that I think is a pretty good comp to this one is TPC Southwind, which is the home of the WGC FedEx, well it's not WGC anymore, but it's the FedEx St. Jude Invitational. It's the first week of the PGA Tour uh, FedEx Cup playoffs now. I think this is another course that requires ball striking. When you look at the guys who won their, or played well there last year, you got Wills Zalatoris as the winner. You had Seb Schrock as the runner-up. These are guys who are decently long off the tee but are really good ball strikers, really good with their long irons. And so I think that Southwind is a good comparison for this one. And the best golfers at TBC Southwind on the live tour for their careers have been Dustin Johnson, Brooks Kepka, Abraham Answer, Phil Mickelson, and Lee Westwood as the top five. And then the last one, another course that I think of is just being a ball strikers course where guys who you know don't necessarily putt all that well have played well here um, is TBC Scottsdale. Um, just a course that you know the guys who are really good at ball striking really tend to stand out at that course because you're going to have to break out all the shots in your bag. Um, um, and the top five among live golfers for their careers at TBC Scottsdale have been Louis Ustazen, Brooks Kepka, Brandon Grace, Bubba Watson, and Phil Mickelson. Now, now granted, this includes, like, I would, I would say not all of their careers, but their last 40 rounds at these courses. So, so for Phil Mickelson, that's kind of you know using a little bit of his prime there, even though he's well past it now. So that, that, that might be cheating just a little bit to include Phil in there. But those would be my three concourses, and those are the guys who have tended to play well at those courses. So if we're looking at the DraftKings board, you know how can we use that information to try to build a lineup or to try to – um, you know, figure out who's going to win this golf tournament. So, looking at the very top of the board, I think right now there is a very, very clear top four on live. And I think these four have a lot more win equity than the rest of the field. I think that these four are the safest four picks on DraftKings. And if you want to get aggressive on DraftKings, I think you can actually set up a lineup with two of the top four in it without too much difficulty. And those top four are Cam Smith, Bruce Kepka, Bryson DeChambeau, and Dustin Johnson. So let's highlight each of them. So Cam Smith. A lot has been said about how he started his season with, you know, kind of being awful on live at the very start of the season um, and then not really playing up to his standard at the Masters. And and so, you know, kind of that was kind of the kick in the pants for him that he needed because ever since then, including the U.S. Open, he has not finished worse than 12th at any event internationally, whether it be on live or whether it be a major. He's really upped his game since the start of the season. And last week, Liv Valderrama at a course that did not suit him well in my opinion, he still came in a tie for 12th place. I I think that's actually an encouraging sign. You know, Valderrama was not a place where you could be wild off the tee and spray it and get away with it, Uh, whereas I do think this course is a place that you can do that. The weakness of Cam Smith's game is his accuracy with the driver, and I think that that weakness is a little bit mitigated here, and I think he would love to get into the winner's circle as he kind of is approaching the time where he's really gearing up to defend this Open Championship that he currently um, holds. Like, like, I really think that his whole season is kind of coming down to, I want to defend this title at Royal Liverpool, and I want to make everybody go through me to get it. Um, and so I really think that he has got his game peaking and heading in the right direction, and I do think this is a pretty good course fit for him. So I really do think that this could be a pretty good setup for Cam Smith here at the Centurion Club. Now next up is going to be Brooks Kepka. So Brooks Kepka, not that dissimilar to Cameron Smith you know, started his season kind of rocky, but then he did win live Orlando right in the lead up to the masters. What's, what's very comical is he was actually 40 to one to win that event at live Orlando heading into it. And and now you can't get him like less than 15 to one at a major championship at Royal Liverpool in two weeks. So um, the, the story of his season has just been incredible, but, but anyway, you know, he is all about playing in the majors and this is going to be, while this is not like an apples to apples setup that is going to, to help you prepare for Royal Liverpool, this is his last opportunity to make sure his game is, you know, firing on all cylinders before he heads on over to Royal Liverpool for the Open Championship. You know, a, a major championship that he has not won yet. So, I do think that Brooks wants to play well in this one. And I do think that Brooks is set up to play well in this one. He popped up at like all of the comp courses that we talked about, um, and he just came in third at Live Valderrama. He was never really a threat to win that golf tournament, but he was just lurking on the weekend, um, did a good enough job in round two to really put himself in position to make a run for it. And, and I really do think that this is a, a tournament that Brooks Koepka could go out and win. Now, next up is Bryson DeChambeau. So last week, I actually didn't fare terribly in my DFS lineups for um, Live Valderrama, and I actually mostly faded Bryson and Gooch, but you know more on why that happened later. But I did not think that Valderrama was going to be a great course setup for Bryson. I said that on the podcast. I said that on um, you know the YouTube video. I just think that it was not a great setup because it was not one where you could be wild off the tee and have success. Well he now gets a course where he can be wild off the tee and have a little bit of success. And and if you watch how he did it at Valderrama, he really just lost the tournament. I wouldn't even say he lost the tournament. I'd say where Gooch went out and won it, but Bryson just had a few bad holes on Sunday where the driver got a little bit wild, got himself out of position, and couldn't recover because that's just not really what he does well. This is a course where even if you are missing with the driver, you're not going to be too far out of position. You're not going to be in too much trouble, so I think that this actually sets up a lot better for his game. Um, At Valderrama last week, he used a lot of driving iron off the tee because some of those holes were so short. He really It wouldn't be too advantageous to him to use driver. Um, This week, that's kind of like the opposite. Like He's going to be able to freewheel driver, and he's going to have shorter iron shots into a lot of these longer holes. They're going to be intimidating for some of the shorter hitters here um, on the live tour this week. I really do think this is a great setup for Bryson, and I think his game is trending in the right direction for sure. If I had to pick one guy to win, I think that – Bryson is actually going to be my pick to win this week. Um, I just think that the game's heading in the right direction. I think this is a much better course fit for him. I think that Smith, Kepka, and Johnson are all great top five or top ten bets, but I think Bryson, at the end of the day, is my pick to win this week. Now, Dustin Johnson, I'm not counting him yet out either because we saw that he came in eighth here last year. That's not bad. He came in eighth at Valderrama last week, and he came in tenth at the U.S. Open earlier in June. He's another guy that his game is – Heading in the right direction. But the problem with DJ is that he's really just given away all of the recent tournaments on like one hole. Like he's had like a triple or a quad and he's just kind of took himself out of contention just right there on one bad hole. If he can just eliminate that bad hole, he's gonna be one of the best golfers in live this season, right? But he but he's gotta go out and do it. Like he's gotta make sure he maintains that level of engagement, that level of focus if he wants to go out and win one of these tournaments, as opposed to just letting it slip on one hole. Now, like I said about Bryson. I didn't think the Valderrama was the best place for Dustin Johnson's game. I think that this is a much better spot for Dustin Johnson's game. And when you look at what he did at the comp courses, he sets up pretty well. So I think that all four of these top guys set up pretty well. If you're in the top 10 or top 20 market or even top five market on live, I think that all four of those guys are pretty solid bets for that. Um, I am picking Bryson DeChambeau to win this call tournament, though. And and looking at it on DraftKings, I think it's totally, totally feasible to put two of them in one lineup. Like, if I were to just experiment right now and go with Kepka and DeChambeau, it gives me average remaining salary of $7,200. That's absolutely feasible with some of the values that are down further on the board. So, um Let's go ahead and look in this next little tier. And yes, I am putting him in this next little tier, even though he has won three times on live this season. It starts with Taylor Gooch. So yeah, the the elephant in the room is the fact that he's won three times on live this season. But if you look at how he's done it, he's really just been – he's really made a lot of putts. Like he's been really hot with the putter. And and I think long-term – I don't think his skill level is necessarily as good as Bryson or Cam Smith or Brooks Kepka, and so I'm kind of willing to just say like, okay, Taylor, like you had your three wins. I don't think you're going to be getting any more this year just from the sheer math of it, so I'm kind of willing to just fade him for the rest of the season, even though, yeah, he's going to keep playing well most likely, but the fact that the eye test is telling me he's doing it a lot with the putter. The eye test is telling me he doesn't have the same win equity as the other guys. So I'm just kind of willing to go ahead and fade him a little bit. And, and, and if he does win, then, you know, shame on me. But I really think that, you know, he's kind of hit his quota this year. And I really think he's not doing it in a way that's as sustainable as where you're looking at the finishes for Smith, Kepka, and Johnson. So probably going to be fading Taylor Gooch this week. Now, Mito Pereira is another interesting one so he's another one that i kind of think that this place fits his game a a little bit well um you know Mito played well really well in the majors last year and and if you think about major championships those are places where you're going to have to be hitting long irons into greens that's going to be the case at a lot of the holes this week i kind of think that even though the yardage on the scorecard isn't going to be super intimidating this week that the you know, the distances of those individual par fours, those are some long par fours. I think that's something that Mito really excels at. And so I would not mind going back to him for that reason. Um, for the same reason, I'm kind of back in on Joaquin Neiman as well. Um, you know, not really been super great on Liv so far this season, but he really did show some bounce back with a T10 at Valderrama, and. You know, when you look at the strength of Joaquin Neiman's game, it is with those long approach shots. So I really do think that this could be a really good spot for him. Um, And so I I really do like Mito and Neiman in that next low tier as well. Patrick Reed is another guy that's interesting. So we saw the minus seven. Was it minus seven? Yes, minus seven was the winning score here last year. Patrick Reed's a guy that we like kind of the harder the tournament gets, right? Because... He is just such good with his short game, such good at scrambling, that I I really do think the harder the golf course is, the better it sets up for Patrick Reed. And that bared itself out last week with his T5 at Valderrama. So I really don't mind this as a spot for Patrick Reed as well. I would say in this next little tier, I would probably fade Gooch I would probably play Neiman ahead of Pereira and then ahead of Reed. And I'm probably not going to be on Sergio as well. Sergio, I kind of felt like Valderrama was his chance at a course that he loved um, and a course that he's historically played very well at. And he just came through with a T10. Um, So I'm probably not going to be back on Sergio Garcia as well. I think his price on DraftKings is a little bit inflated because of those good finishes. And now he's at a course that's just not as great for his game. All right, so now continuing to look down the board. Uh, Sebastian Munoz is a guy that I like this week. You know, when we talked about, you know, Charles Schwartzel and Henny Duplessis having success here, those are two guys that are team no putt, right? Like they're guys that generally don't putt the ball very well but are elite ball strikers. Sebastian Munoz, I would kind of put in that category. If you play showdown, live golf, or if you're doing like player props on underdog, which by the way, if you are playing on underdog, use my promo code MCONLEY88. Um, it is in the description of this YouTube video. It is also pinned on the pinned tweet on my Twitter, at Mike's Money Picks. I'm also, if I end up doing any props for Live on Underdog, I will be posting them on there as well. If you are doing any props on Underdog, I think Munoz is a great pick for birdies or better um, and for strokes as well. Because he's a guy that he tends to get hot for one or two rounds of in a golf tournament. And, you know, if you're playing showdown DFS, he's great for that. And, you know, I think that that kind of, even if it is just two rounds for him, or even if it is just one round for him, I think that gives him enough um, equity that he can pay off that price tag, even if he doesn't win the golf tournament. Now, Brandon Grace um, was a little bit of a disappointment at Liv Valderrama, but I think he's a very good DraftKings option because he seems to either come in like the top five or like 30th place, um, which obviously if he comes in 30th, he's not doing anything for you anyway. But if he comes in that top five, he is really good for you. And he did pop up at some of the comp courses. Cameron Tringale was um, really good at the Scottish Open last year. He's also had back-to-back top tens on live. I would not mind going back to Cameron Tringale at all. Um, although if you do start with that super aggressive build of Kepkin and Shambo you're probably going to be avoiding that range entirely. But I do like both of those guys. Um, and then the other guy in the 8,000s that I like. Louis Ustazen popped up here last year. He's another guy that he's kind of like a team no-putt guy where um, he's just elite as a ball striker and and you know not really great on the greens. And Dean Burmeister I would put in that category as well. Um, I, I, wouldn't, I actually kind of really do like Burmeister this week, uh, although he kind of hasn't really shown a whole lot of upside recently. He did have a T3 and a T7 earlier this season on live, so I wouldn't mind going back to Burmeister as well. Now, heading further down the board, um, there's not a whole lot here. If I'm being totally honest, uh, my favorite play um, out of anybody, kind of from that mid eight to mid seven range, my favorite play would probably be Anerban Lahiri. Um, he's just strung together some really good finishes on live until you know the, the past two have not been great, but really. At uh, Valderrama, it was just one round that jumped up and got him. You know, he had a 78 on Saturday. If he could just eliminate that one poor round, uh, uh, you know, he obviously has the ability to come in top 10. Looking further down the board, Ian Poulter is a native Englishman. Uh, I do believe he's from near London. I I think. I'm not 100% confident on that. But, you know, give him a little bit of a home field advantage being an Englishman. um, And he's, you know, got some decent finishes on live so far this year. Not a terrible play there. Um, The guy that we got to talk about in this range, though, is David Puge. I've been told that is how it's pronounced. So um, he is a rising star. I, I believe at least. Uh, his last three events have been in T12 at Live DC, T39 at the US Open, and T5 at Live Valderrama. Um, and I don't think DraftKings adjusted his price enough to compensate for that. I do expect him to be highly owned, but I think it's for very good reason. And, and on Live, when you're playing you know DFS on DraftKings, the, you know everybody's playing an eighth of the field anyway, so everybody should theoretically come in averaging 12% ownership. If you kind of eliminate the top five from the equation that never contend anyway, that makes it more like 14 ownership. So if you are playing David Pugh, as long as you mix it up somewhere, find another way to get unique. I do think that is a viable strategy. Another guy that I wanted to mention is Mark Leishman. Just thinking about what is needed at this course. He is a guy who tends to excel with his long irons um, and tends to excel at kind of like major championship type setups, even though he has not been good recently. I think he would be a really good sneaky um, under own value play to go with on DraftKings. Now looking further down the board in the 6k range, Scott Vincent and Lowry Cantor are beginning to appear like the same guy to me. Like, they're guys that are just priced down here in the 6K range on DraftKings every time on Live, and they just seemingly give you like an above average finish every time, right? Like, neither of these guys are ever going to win a Live event, but if they just kind of keep doing what they're doing, keep giving you that like 15th to 20th place finish, I mean, that can help you in a cash game. Um, If you're playing, you know, DFS cash games in a GPP, it might not win you the GPP, but it might definitely help you cash. And if they do happen to give you like a ceiling performance, then that could really help you win a GPP. I think those are probably the two safest value plays here in this 6K range would be Scott Vincent and Lowry Cantor. Now, if you're looking to get really, really creative down here, um, I would like, in terms of betting guys to win, I would probably have stopped at like Munoz. Uh, I I probably wouldn't bet anybody below Jason or um, Sebastian Munoz in terms of like picks to win. But if you're looking for guys for a DFS lineup, you got a few interesting options here. First of which Phil Mickelson, like he's popular every live event um, in DFS. Um, I kind of think like the other guys I mentioned with Smith and Kepka, I kind of think he wants to have a good showing at the open championship. T23 at Valderrama, a course, where um, here in London where he's definitely comfortable playing across the pond. He's comfortable playing in um, you know the British Isles. So I, I kind of think it's a not bad spot for Phil. Just know ownership is always higher on Phil than it should be in DFS. But the two that I want to talk about, first off is Charles Schwartzl, the defending champ. He has been... Um, to be quite honest, garbage in his last four starts. You know, hasn't come in better than 29th place. But he did have one earlier in the season where he was T7 at Live Adelaide, T16 at Live Orlando. So there is still the capability there. He's the defending champ of this event and he's $6,300 on DraftKings. Um, you can't really get much more affordable than that out of somebody who's a defending champ of an event. And then the last guy I want to talk about is Lee Westwood, who comes in at $6,400 on DraftKings. Um, He hasn't really been great at all on live this season. His best finish has been a T-16. But he did something last week that I think is worth noting. Um, Last week at Liv Valderrama, he was T-27, which was his best finish in a while, like shockingly. But what I do want to talk about is how he got there. So Lee Westwood last week at Valderrama had 13 birdies and a difficult golf course. Now, that's the same amount Bryson DeChambeau had. Bryson DeChambeau came in second place. But the problem with Westwood was that he had 15 bogeys. So with what we know about Westwood's career, Westwood's a pretty good ball striker. Westwood has not been historically a terrible short game player either. He's not a great putter, but he's not a bad around the green player. He kind of has you know a little bit of that Euro flair around the greens. So I kind of think that that bogeys number – if he can just get that bogey number down, he can give you a top 15 finish because the birdie-making ability is clearly there if he made 13 birdies at Valderrama, which was a difficult golf course. And so I really do think Lee Westwood is kind of like the sneaky sleeper under-the-radar value play this week in DraftKings. And I definitely think I'm probably going to have a little bit of exposure to Lee Westwood at the very bottom on DraftKings. All right, so there you have it. We have talked about probably a quarter of not more than a quarter of the field, probably like a third of the field for Live Golf London. We've talked about, you know, the course itself. We talked about what type of game can succeed here. We've talked about what guys I think can succeed here. Um, and so, you know, whether you came here for DFS advice or looking for picks for bets or player props or whatever, hopefully you got whatever information you need here for this video. If you liked what you saw in this video or heard on this podcast, please Hit the like button on YouTube. Please hit the subscribe button if you're listening to this on audio or if you are watching this on YouTube. It shows me more support than you could ever know. It really helps the videos get noticed, um, helps me grow the community that we're trying to build here at Mike's Money Picks, and I really do appreciate it. So that does it for the Live Golf preview. One last bit, just extra bit here. Um, if you are interested in seeing who I am playing on DFS for Live Golf London, head on over to my Patreon, patreon.com slash Mike's Money Picks. You'll get access to the DFS articles that I post every week talking about ownership, talking about the guys that I like for that week for Live Golf and the PGA Tour, as well as my fantasy football draft guide and fantasy football rankings. You'll have access to those as well. It is only $3 a month. It's much cheaper than buying a magazine or buying a membership to many other premium fantasy sites. Um, and then also... Also follow me on Twitter at Mike's Money Picks. If I end up doing any underdog pickums for um, Live London, I will be posting them on there. So if you follow me on Twitter, you'll be um, you'll have notice for that. And I also do the DFS rundown for Live, where I just kind of hit some highlights of guys that I think fit into certain categories um, for DraftKings for that particular week. So follow me on Twitter. Head on over to the Patreon if you are interested in that. Thank you guys for watching or listening to this point. I really do appreciate you guys. Hit that like and subscribe button on your way out. Hopefully I gave you whatever information you need to make some money off of Live Golf London this week. Thank you guys. I will see you next time.